But we're kind of, we're finishing up this series today called No Offense. But we've been through this series in week one. We said, you know, stop being offended. Just, just stop. And in week two, we talked about uh, those people and how do we deal with those people um, in our lives. Week three, uh, Todd kind of talked about how pride will get in, in our way um, and, and create offense. When we think we're the greatest person in the world, um, it's pretty easy to be offended by everyone else's behavior. Um, and last week, we looked at bitterness and how like we, we take an offense and, and it grows inside of us and that bitterness is, is a root and it will eventually destroy us and the people around us. And, and today, we're gonna talk about forgiveness because um, that is the key. And we, we kind of uh, finished up last week with that. We're actually gonna look at the same story um, in the scriptures that we looked at last week. But I really wanna make a point of, of forgiveness because I think that's the key to peace. That's the key to freedom. That's the key to, to living um, unoffended or, or to be uh, unoffendable. Um, and then next week, we're gonna start a brand new series called The Invisible War. Um, we're gonna talk about how the enemy attacks um, our marriages, how it attacks uh, women in particular. That's gonna be a real fun week for me. I get to talk about women. Um, so go ahead and plan on being offended now. Um, and then we'll talk about men, which I know a little bit more on that subject than I do about women. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, the church and how the enemy attacks our, our, our view or our thoughts on the church. But today I wanna jump in. We're gonna start with one of my favorite verses. It's in Colossians chapter one. And Paul writes this in verse 13. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And we can just stop right there and say, thank God for that. Like, and we could be probably encouraged for the rest of our lives. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Like, he has rescued us. Not, not that he will rescue us, not something in the future, but he has rescued us. Like, it's a done deal on the cross. It was finished. And it says that, like, in the Greek, that word rescue, I can't pronounce it in the Greek, but what it means is to snatch one to yourself. And if you want an image in your head to, to go with that a kind of translation, like I guess it'd be like a child running out into the street and there's a car coming. And you as a parent, like you see that and you run out there and you snatch that child up to prevent it from being smashed by a car. Like that's what God did for us. That's what God did for you and, and for me. He saw the harm that was coming and he snatched us to himself through Jesus Christ. Amazing. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, he has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. So we're not just saved from something. We're not just snatched from something. We're saved to something. Like we're not just snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into some spiritual holding ground or spiritual no man's land waiting for heaven one day. So you've been placed now into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Like you're already there. Like, you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but now you're a child in the kingdom of his son. That's amazing. That's incredible. And if that's a fact, which it is, because it says so, and we're placed in the kingdom of God already, now it's all about integration. It's all about how do we fit in. You know, when you go to another nation or to, to another country uh, for anything, it's all about integration. 
Like you learn to speak the language that the culture speaks. You learn to eat the food that that, that culture uh, eats. Like you need to learn the culture of that new nation. Like when I go to Costa Rica, I get better at it. I can't walk around and, and act like everybody knows English because they don't. And I have to go for days and days and days and eat only rice and beans because that's what they do. Like that, that's their culture. Like so, so you have to learn that. And if you don't, like there's gonna be problems, right? Like if, if I don't know that their language and I can't speak their language and I'm only trying to speak English to them and I don't have a translator there to help me, like we're getting nothing accomplished. Or if I refuse to eat rice and beans all day, like, guess what? I'm going to lose a lot of weight in the time that I'm there. But that's why the Holy Spirit was, was sent to help us to come into this new culture in the kingdom of heaven, to help us line up with, with the value systems of this brand new kingdom, to help us start to speak a, a kingdom language so that, that Paul would write that we would become ambassadors of Christ. And it's interesting in the way it goes on. It says this is about the, the son whose kingdom this is. It says this, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And it's interesting that when, when Paul speaks about this kingdom that we're brought into, that, that we're saved into, one of the, the first things he says about this kingdom is that it's a kingdom of forgiveness of sin. If we need to understand anything about this kingdom of God, anything about this place that we've been snatched uh, two. First of all, we have to understand that it's about forgiveness. And we need to understand that, that, that there's a, a vertical part of forgiveness where God's forgiving us, and there's a horizontal part of forgiveness where we're forgiving each other. Because vertical and horizontal, they paint the picture of the cross, the full redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And when the disciples, they asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. And he told us to pray about forgiveness. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. The vertical part, God, you forgive us. And the horizontal part, as we forgive others. They connect. And they have to go hand in hand. And what we have to understand is in order for us to approach the theme of per for forgiveness, we have to change our perspective. Because it's a perspective, really, that, that re releases forgiveness in our life. The perspective that reaches, releases forgiveness. And we're going to look at that parable that I talked about last week from Matthew chapter 18. And this is really Jesus responding to a question from Peter. Like Peter asked him a question. He said, how many times do I need to forgive someone? Like, wouldn't you just like to know the backstory of that? Like, how many times do I have to forgive? Like, Peter, what did that person do to you? Like, I, I want to understand. But, but, but we don't get that. Like, but in order to be your disciple, Jesus, how, how many times do I have to forgive that person? And as part of Jesus' answer, he does what he often does, and he just tells a story. He, he does it so many times. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or talents in some translations, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master, what, pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 
The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, or a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, we might read that story, and kind of last week, we just kind of glanced over it. We can get the basics. Like, we understand that there is a king, and that king, he must be representing God, and that servant, he would be representing uh, you or me, and we've been forgiven a, a lot. And then as, as we're hesitant and unwilling to forgive our fellow men, that, like, that all makes sense to us. But the thing is, like, and it's such a great part of this story, uh, is that, that we miss the punchline a lot of times. It's because Jesus is dealing with some, some specific currencies that he's using. He talks about talents, and he talks about denarii. And of course, when we read them 2,000 years removed in a different part of the world, we really don't deal with talents and denarii on a regular basis. And so we miss losing the entire perspective. So I just want to take some time and explain this to you what Jesus is really trying to say. And I hope that this changes your perspective, gives you new eyes and a new understanding of forgiveness. So, so very, very clear, very visible. Like we have two relationships in this story. Like we have the, the king and the servant. That's one relationship. And there's a debt that involved 10,000 talents, which means absolutely to nothing to most of us at this point but it's about to change. And we have also have another relationship, the same servant and another guy who he owes him 100 denarii. And now how could we translate the value of money into something that we would, we would even be able to relate to? We don't understand denarii and talents. And of course, Bible translators, like they're working on this for people all over the world in, in many different countries. They're not gonna say dollar amount because it, it changed depending on what, what country you're in. If he said dollars, it would make no sense to someone who was reading this in Australia, who works in a different country, or, or, or Africa, who works in a different currency, or Costa Rica, who works in a different country. So, currency. So, so Bible translators aren't going to do that for us. So, so how do we understand that? Like, like, there's one way, I think, to get a hold of that, and that is to estimate the, the value of money uh, through using one day's wage. One day's wage, because one day's wage, the average amount of money that, that, that it takes to live for one day in any part of the world, uh, the, the, the total number may be different, but the amount's actually the same. It's one day's wage. And what does it take to, to live on one day? Like, what is it to, to pay a little bit of your mortgage, to, to get some food on the table, to buy a piece of clothes maybe, to um, whatever you, you need? would be included in, a, in, a daily, in one day's wage. And now in Jesus' day, one, one day's wage would be the equivalent of one denarii or a silver coin. So one denarii equals one day wage. So, so now what about talents? And we're gonna do a little bit of math. I already talked to our math teacher today. He's not gonna correct me while I'm preaching. He may do it afterwards. One talent equals 6,000 denarii. That's, that's 6,000 days of work. So what, what would that be? 
be our, our, what would our model, modern equivalent of that would be? Well, I did some, some research, and in 2021, so last year, the average daily wage was $154.64. Now, there are some people that were earning way more than that, some people earning way less than that, but on average in the United States, the average daily wage was $154.64. So one talent is 6,000 denarii, and one denarii would be $154.64. That means one talent is $927,840. That's one talent. One. This guy owed the king 10,000 talents. That would be $9,278,400,000. How do you get that far in debt? Like, what's going on? Like, how did the king even have that much money to, to lend him? $9,278,400,000. That's a crazy amount of money. And, of course, that's the whole intention of Jesus. Why is he given this crazy, like, out-of-the-universe amount of money? Because he wants to tell his disciples that we all had a debt before God that we would never be able to pay back. All of us. Even though that guy, which is, is really pathetic in the parable, like he, is, he says, just give me a little more time. And where are you going to come up with $9 billion with a little more time? Like for real. Like that's male positive irresponsibility at the worst. Like I'll figure it out. I'll find a way. No, you're not, buddy. There's not a chance. There's no way you're paying back $9 billion in debt. And we were in the same position. No good work, no religious deed could ever pay back our debt. That's why we needed a savior. And that's why God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I love that. So remember, that's $9 billion. Now let's go over here. What's this debt then? There's a... A uh, uh, hundred denarii. And basic math, a hundred denarii times $154.64 would make 15464 U.S. dollars. Now, why is Jesus choosing that amount? You, you think he's got a point? I don't think Jesus said anything by accident. $15,000 is a significant debt, isn't it? Like, that's a lot of money. I mean, if somebody owed you $15,000 and one day said, hey, sorry, I can't pay it back, to most of us, that's a big problem. Like, most of us aren't even in the position where we could just say, hey, I'll, I'll lend you $15,000. I could do it, but I'd have to call Danny first at the bank and, and get a loan myself. Like, the point Jesus is trying to make is that this guy really did owe a lot of money still. He had a, he had a significant debt. And maybe that's your situation. Maybe somebody owed you a, a lot of money. Maybe somebody did you wrong and it hurt. Maybe you got heartbroken. Maybe somebody treated you bad. And listen, and there's no excuse for that. Maybe there's a considerable, considerable debt involved between you and someone else. And as long as you stay focused on that perspective of, of the debt only, 
Like that $15,000, it'll look like a big amount. And technically, you're right. It is. But here's the point. $15,000 is only a lot of money until you compare it to 9278400000 And that's the perspective of forgiveness. Jesus is not saying, hey, that, that amount over there, he's not saying that's small or insignificant and should be easily forgotten. Because it's not. It's real, and it's big, and it's a lot. But what he asks us to do is simply take a few steps back compare it to the debt that you've already had canceled in your life. And the more we look at, at this, the more eager we are to be willing to let go of that. But if we fix our eyes on that and that alone, we're going to say, I have the right. Maybe you do. But you're taking your eyes off of this. Now, if I was the devil... And I'm so happy I'm not. I've been called that once, but I'm so happy I'm not. But what I would do is I would work overtime to try to get you to, to not see this, the nine billion, two hundred and seventy million four hundred thousand whatever. I'd try to get you hard not to see that, and get you get you focused on this fifteen thousand. Somebody owed you. Somebody wronged you. I just try to do whatever I could to, get your, to bring your eyes away from the fact that God has forgiven you of so much. And the main way he does that is through pride. Pride that, that kills forgiveness. Because you know what? We're not automatically forgiven just because we're children of God. But we're, we're forgiven of sins that we confess. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we'll make him out to be a liar and the, his word is not in us. Pride will have you think, no, there's, not no, there's, no, there's no nine billion. I'm not that bad. I'm doing quite well, actually. And all of a sudden, when that happens, you're downplaying the fact that God had to send his son to die for you. And that's the very reason I think the, the Bible says that God hates pride. Over and over and over again, the, the Bible says that God hates pride more than all of their sins. Why? Because pride's gonna rob you of a blessing. Pride will block our hearts and that we, so we don't see our own need for forgiveness. And because we don't see our own need for forgiveness, we'll never be willing to forgive those other people. We'll always see that 15,000 that somebody owed us. And that's why we can't stop talking about sin. Because if we delete sin from our vocabulary, from our concept of Christianity, then we rob people of the blessing of forgiveness. It's only as we confess. And in confessing, like God doesn't need, like God knows. He doesn't need to tell us. He doesn't need us to tell him what we did. But in confessing our sins, what we're doing is we're punching down our pride. We're saying, hey, I'm guilty as charged. And in that, we're opening up our heart for the miracle of forgiveness. See, sin's only a problem if there's no forgiveness. But if there's forgiveness, and there is, then realizing that, that I daily need the grace of God and the forgiveness of God in my life, then it opens the door for me to, to, to forgive others. 
And it opens a door to this world of, of freedom. And you know, like as we realize this, like I've realized this, and I'm constantly reminding myself of the nine billion, nine billion that God's canceled for me. He's erased it. Then I become a different person in my mentality and in my perspective. And more than anything, there's peace that's found in forgiveness. And I've seen that peace in my own life and I've seen that peace in the life of others. You know, whatever the devil will try to throw at me can never change the fact that I'm forgiven. And I know where I'm going when it's my time. That's the peace that comes from the forgiveness and the peace that God wants you and who, who's ever watching this online right now. Like, that's the peace that he wants you to experience. But you'll only experience that peace on the other side of forgiveness, of accepting the fact that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. That whatever you've done, it's not too bad that it can't be covered by the blood of Christ. He's ready to cleanse you. He's ready to erase all of that debt from your account, all $9 billion. I wanna end with, with a story and then I want to say just a few words about the power that's unleashed through forgiveness. Because there is. Several, several years ago, in fact, it was 2015. And you just never know what you're going to, to release or put into motion when you forgive someone. But in February of 2015, a group of, of ISIS warriors led 21 young Egyptian Christians down to a beach in Libya, North Africa. The Christians were forced to kneel down. And the spokesperson of ISIS made a statement that these people of the cross, that's what they referred to the Christians as, these people of the cross, said they're not worthy of living. And all 21 young Christian men were executed that day. In ISIS, they videotaped the whole thing. You can't see it anymore, but, but they put it on YouTube in an attempt to scare Christians from, from holding to their faith. Like they, they thought that it would be, be a way for them to, to uh, hide and to squash the, the Christians, the, the Christianity that was growing there. However, this thing exact, had the opposite effect. Because all over Egypt, like Christianity spread like, like wild. They brought the mother in one of these talk shows, um, the most popular talk show in, in Egypt, in fact. And they brought the mother in of one of these men who had been uh, martyred. And they asked her this question. What punishment would be enough? If you could get these, these men that killed your son and 20 other young Christian men, if you could have them right now, what punishment would be enough? If you could do anything to them, what would you do? And she looked into the camera and she said this. And this was a quote. She said, you know what? I only wish for all these men to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I only wish for all these men who took the lives of my son and the 20 other Christian young men that they would know the love of Jesus Christ and they would find true life and true forgiveness through faith in him. That's my one desire. And her words spread over the entire nation. Like shocked the entire nation of Egypt. Because it was clear to them that she had a faith that was strong enough to forgive even such a horrible crime. 
And it led to a national revival all over Egypt. Tens and thousands of people after that event came to know who Jesus Christ was. So when you choose to forgive, you have no idea what you put in motion. And I'm gonna ask you to stand. I just wanna pray with you. Right now, maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you're struggling with what someone did to you. And you haven't been able to let it go. There was a debt, a big debt, $15,000. That's a big debt. And you've been staring at it for a long time. I'm gonna pray today that you'd take your eyes off of that debt and that you'd focus on that nine billion that God's forgiven of you and that it would change your life that you would experience the peace that comes with forgiveness. Father God, today, we're thankful that we've been forgiven of so much. That as we look at, at all of the debt that we've accumulated toward you, $9 billion worth, Jesus washed it white. He cleansed it for us. And God, I pray for those today that are outside of a relationship with Jesus who, who are carrying the weight of that nine billion, carrying the weight of all the sin. Father, today I pray it'd be a day that they come, that they confess, that they're immersed in baptism and that it's, it's taken from them. Father, I pray for those who are staring at that, that $15,000 debt and it's a big one. It, it's a costly one. Father, for some, they haven't been able to let it go for years because it's so big. Father, today I pray that you would change their perspective and that they would experience the peace that comes from forgiveness. Father, we thank you for Jesus who paid the price for our sin. It's in his name that I pray.